Well, it's hard to believe we've rolled along to episode 110 of your favorite sporting podcast, your favorite hockey podcast. It is, of course, Hockey the Podcast. The name says it all. Welcome to another show, another episode. It's great to be in your company. I'm, of course, Derek Alberts, and with me, of course, as always, my partner in crime, the late, the great. He's not late at all. He's on time, as always. In fact, I'm always going to wait for me. Tyron Jobu Barnard, how are you, Ty? Yeah, how's it, Derek? It, uh, no, you're not bad when it comes to time. Is it? I mean, you, you've never missed a tee off, have you? No, I haven't, actually. No. You're right. No, uh, I'm good. No, that's the measure of a man is mm. are you on time for your tee off I've, if you are never late? I've made the tee off. I've missed the ball a couple of times on the tee, but I've, yeah, I've been but, there. I mean, is that really important? It's more about participating, or at least that's what we tell each other, so we feel good about our bad golf. <laughs> How you, Ty? Feels like a while since you've done this. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we chatted to Sean and to Greg Nickel, but it does feel like quite a while. Of course, in the interim, South Africa have gone and won the AFCON, both men and women, and qualified for the FIH Hockey World Cup uh, later this year for the women and early next year for the men. Uh, that was pretty cool to be able to watch on watch hockey because the men uh, uh, put our hearts in our throats. So Derek, uh, good old shootout uh, in order to get there. the girls. Uh, also gave us a little bit of a nerve-wracking moment going 1-0 down in the final uh, before getting home. But ultimately, they did it, job done. And of course, what that means is there's more people who want to talk to us. They're not in hiding, including uh, tonight's guests. Yeah, it's great that you put the plural on because it's it's not often that we have more than one person uh, joining us. But uh, yeah, we have we do have illustrious company this evening. And uh, who do we have, Ty? Yeah, Derek, we have gone through siblings before. We've had the Wright brothers in different episodes. Then Thule brothers in different episodes. We spoke to... Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Celia Evans, whose brother played for Bafana Bafana, of course, Shelley Russell, or now Jones, whose brother played for uh, uh, the Springboks. But tonight it is the Maddox siblings, Shanae and Maurek. Of course, Maurek is an indoor and outdoor dual national for South Africa. Shanae is a recent Olympian, having gone to Tokyo, and of course, Scored a goal in the African Cup of Nations final um, to help South Africa qualify. So, yeah, tonight we are joined by not one Maddox, but two. And it's going to be absolutely legendary. Welcome to the show, Shanae and Malrick. Uh, Great to have you on board. Uh, Ladies first, uh, welcome, Shanae. Thank you so much, Albert. (laughs) <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's great to have you on board, and uh, of course, Melrick, great to see you. Good evening, Albert. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for having us. No, absolute pleasure, uh, Ty. It's uh, it's actually been amazing to to see the uh, the status of the guests that we get on board, and this time around, uh, Olympians, Olympic goals, uh, yeah, you name it. Uh, our two guests have done it. Yeah, so I mean, Derek, you've. Uh, Segue to it brilliantly. Shanae, I mean, we have to start with you, Shanae. Where is your Olympic tattoo? <laughs> um, it's allocated on my left arm, uh, right above my <laughs> elbow. <laughs> and and does your LinkedIn profile end with O-L-Y now? 
<laughs> most definitely, Tyron, most definitely. Uh, of course, of course, the perks of being an Olympian, not just do you get to uh, go all the way to Tokyo, you get to go into the village. Of course, Derek and my, my business partner, Ray, uh, was there with the team and Shana, you may have even interacted with Ray. But not just that, you also get to meet some pretty cool people. So, Shana, before we dive in to the Olympic experience, what, I mean, who left you starstruck? Who who did you get to meet at uh, the Olympic Games that you were like, holy moly, wow. Um, definitely, I'd say Alison Felix and Simone Biles. That was definitely two female athletes that I think that left also most of the world um, speechless. So definitely, it was amazing to actually meet them and get to speak to them. And uh, yeah, obviously, you got to. Obviously, the Olympics were slightly different, um, being that there were no spectators and the COVID protocol. Uh, do you feel like it took away from the experience or was it still something that uh, was truly memorable for you? Um, so definitely everyone speaks about the Olympic experience. So our, our Olympic experience as first-time Olympians would obviously be different because it would be unique to us. So not experiencing the previous Olympics. So I think that this Olympics was obviously like the most memorable Olympics experience ever for me. So I wouldn't say that there was much taken away from us, but I think that the mere fact that it got pulled off and that we were able to attend the Olympic Games was quite amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It was an interesting experience. Marek, I'll bring you in here. Obviously, you don't have the Olympics on the CV yet, but ahead of uh, your sister, you did get national colors. Um, and, I mean, what's it like for, for someone like you who would have had your own Olympic ambitions there, but... Uh, you know, the pride that you had for your sister being selected. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's definitely it. It's the way we've been brought up. Um, we, we, we're more unified than what we are competitors and uh, whoever achieves whatever they achieve as a family and as, as a support system, that's, that feels like you have been selected. So it, it was a privilege for her to go. It was an honor for us to having her represent us and it was actually quite cool that, you know, you didn't need to fork out a lot of money because that's always the, the unfortunate part of making the national team where, you know, you make the team and then it's about what's the cost. So um, I'm really proud of her and of what she has achieved, not only at the Olympics, but in the past couple of months as well. Malrik, it's, it's amazing because, you know, we've got a, a couple of friends who are brothers and, and the one's a sports star, the other one's a, a, very, a very good doctor, and uh, he achieved his doctorate uh, very early in life as well. And we always tease him about the family having these kids that are overachievers. Uh, I mean, you and your sis very much fill that same mold. Is it must be pretty cool to be able to know that, that you and your sibling are South African representatives. And I, I think as far as the family is concerned, uh, as a whole, um, they must be proud as well. Yeah, that is quite special. I mean, making the national team, both of us having national caps, takes us back to the days where we used to play in the corridor, where we used to play against each other. And I would like to think that those were the days that actually molded it into what she kind of is now. But yeah, it's, it's really special and, and cannot take away from the moment itself. The one thing I would love to do, if it's ever possible, practically possible, and if, if it's within the Lord's plans for us, for us to play at a tournament together, I think that will be really special. But other than that, 
Um, it's, it's always special uh, knowing that the other achieves their individual goals. Speaking about tournaments, and again, you say that, that it hasn't been together. So it was under the same banner, though. AFCON, you, Egypt. Uh, we had uh, Shonet over in, in Ghana. Um, that was also, must have been pretty cool to, to, to share your experiences with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before the final, I told her she can finally also have her first AFCON medal. That's most probably, realistically, it's one of the medals where we actually can compete and one of the medals where we can can stand on the podium as number one. And I, I just told her to fetch her medal. Um, and I would like to think that our AFCON experiences were different. Um, she had a really good AFCON experience. Um, mine was just, I was just trying to still find my feet. Uh, it was at a time where we were also going through a transitional phase in, in the national team, but it doesn't take away from the experience uh, nonetheless because the job was done and on both occasions we have qualified for the World Cup and always playing for something bigger than ourselves. One thing she does trump you in is scoring goals for her country. I think uh, she, she ha- holds the edge on you with that? <laughs> she holds the edge uh, on a lot of stuff. She always does everything first, always makes the national team first from a young age. She made um, the junior national team, she made the under-21 team, and I made the, the senior team only. So it's a, it's a trend, and I expected nothing less from her. So now, obviously, we're talking about goals. So you got a goal in the semi-final against Kenya. Of course, you also got a goal in the final, and that was a big one. South Africa went 1-0 down against Ghana. The ball came to you in the top of the D. Tomahawk, a defender, gave you a nice little deflection in front of the keeper, but a game-time goal in the final of an African tournament, a World Cup qualifier, the first time South Africa had trailed in the tournament. I mean, if you're going to score an international goal, it must be pretty special to score one as big as that. <laughs> Most definitely, Dad. Like, um, I was quite impatient that all the strikers have been scoring the whole week already and I haven't had a goal to my name yet. So I actually spoke to my dad that day and I said to him that Yo, I still haven't been scoring it at the last two, day- two days left. And he's like, Ugh, don't worry, you'll score when it matters. So when I scored that goal, that's all that I that I thought of was basically that I scored basically when it mattered and it was quite amazing to score the goal that put the team back back into the game because I think with the atmosphere we were in and feeling a bit under the pump was a bit um, a bit hectic as a team environment with the crowd and never been playing with a crowd and all of a sudden we back with a crowd going crazy and the home team was trailing us. So yeah, I would say it was a fantastic feeling and to be able to just to contribute to my team and be able to, to put us up again back onto the scoreboard yeah and, and you did and and i mean one thing about strikers is obviously they get to celebrate a little bit more often than midfielders and defenders usually unless it's a penalty corner specialist um do you have a pre-planned celebration when you score do you have a go-to celebration like alan shearer or is it just uh governed by the emotions in the moment yeah no definitely it's just in the moment um nothing planned as there's not been many goals, so I think that that all just in the moment and all the emotion coming from it, most definitely. Ah, absolutely. Look, and, and what a pumped moment. Obviously, the team then went on to go win it. Um, uh, Kristen Payton scoring the second before Lillian Duplessis put away the uh, the penalty stroke that, that gave you the title. 
I mean, people don't always under, uh, understand how difficult an African Cup of Nations is. That turf was incredibly difficult to play. The temperature, uh, the heat uh, in Ghana was, was really tough. You're playing under a lot of COVID protocol in front of fans for the first time ever. I mean, I, I mean, not first time ever for everyone, but for, for many of you players, it's the first time you've played in front of fans for the international team. I mean, what was the overall experience like uh, for you, Shanae, and then Mala, if we can bring you in there, you know, have you two spoken about how it compared with your experience in Ismailia? We'll start with you. Um, we haven't really spoken about it, uh, but even before the tournament, I had a chat with her and I told her that playing against African countries is always difficult because there's not a set game plan um, where you normally think you'll beat someone with, for example, outside pull and a pop because of standard set movements and more structured play. Uh, they put everything on the line. All African countries put everything on the line. And when you think you've beaten someone, you'll probably just see someone go off their feet and actually get the ball and not take you out. So it's always a challenge playing an African Cup away from home. And it's, which I, I told her, and it seems like she has embraced embraced the feeling and embraced the moment. And Shanae, bringing you in about the overall experience. Um, I think the overall experience was really different compared to the Olympics, for sure, because that was my second national tournament. So it was nothing compared to playing like into the top 10 uh, countries in the world. So Afghan was basically a better, better confidence boost, I think, as an individual to be able to express myself more on the turf. But I would say like the weather was really, really, really hot, especially the humidity as well. And I think it was tough to adapt to the crowd because coming from Olympic Games, having my debut there and just not having any people in the stands and all of a sudden it was a madhouse with lots of noise, lots of people shouting, Vuzela's going crazy, Hooters going. So I think that was a game changer personally. It was a distraction in the first few minutes of the game. But other than that, I think I went and I enjoyed the moment and made the most of it. And like Maurik said, I embraced it. And I think that I'm just really grateful to have the opportunity to represent my country again at a tournament. Uh, Shone, is there, I know I chatted a, a little bit to Maurik regarding this, but the sibling rivalry, uh, of course, you're there to support each other, to back each other, to offer advice when any anytime any of you ever need it. But... Is there a bit of rivalry between the two, a competitive edge? Uh, I know uh, I said that you hold the edge when it comes to gold, but uh, elsewhere, uh, do you enjoy holding the edge of your brother every now and then if if the opportunity avails itself? Um, I think yes, for sure, because Marika is always a goody two-shoes and overachiever in everything he does. So definitely this was this was my chance to take the one up because I think even back thinking of, on PHL, my dad even said, whoever scores first, you'll put money on that one that scores first. And the PHL had ended and none of us actually scored. So I think there's a bit of a, a karma over us both on that one and not scoring goals. So I think maybe now I've opened the floodgates for the both of us and hopefully you can catch up now. Uh, Malrik, you're a battle, a, a goody two-shoe, she describes you as. It's just, it's just a family thing. I've always been the good boy in the house. And I think that's, that's what she's referring to. And with, with her having an edge, 
I, I think she'll have to score goals in Europe before she can have an edge. <laughs> Uh, but uh, let's not downplay your achievements. Uh, they are plentiful. And uh, you know, you've got a, a CV as long as my arm with, with what you have managed to achieve on the hockey field and, and off it. Uh, but uh, you're also a double international, Malric. I mean, that's, uh, that's a, a seriously impressive feat. Uh, I think it's more privileged than what it is impressive. Uh, coming from Kimberley, where there hasn't been much indoor hockey, you don't really have indoor hockey in Kimberley. Going to Bloom to, to further my studies, you don't have indoor hockey. And coming to Johannesburg, I'll never forget my first time playing indoor. Um, Ali took me to Dainfern and the guys were playing indoor league. And I was so horrible on that day that the scholarship kids made so much fun of me for the, for the rest of the week that I, I needed to better myself. The banter made me want to just become better. And the more I spent time on the field, I got better. The more time I got to spend with with Riza, Riza Rosenberg, with Julian, I very experienced guys who understand the game. I just started embracing it, and I at first didn't like the game, but playing indoor just just better. Your, or my personal opinion, it bettered my outdoor game in, in certain aspects. And I never actually had aspirations to make the national team. It was more about just bettering myself and and enjoying a different format and a different platform of the game. And inevitably, I got selected. You you mentioned uh, Ariza, and, and initially I, I thought you meant Riza Hendricks, the cricketer, because if I'm not mistaken, I think he also hails from Kimberley. don't know if you you know. Um, but but again, it, it's great to see people, sports stars, emanating from sports, small towns. Because, yeah, as you say, I mean, Kimberley, not traditionally uh, a sporting powerhouse uh, when it comes to age group level, but uh, t- to be able to emerge from that area and, and become a, a South African athlete is, it takes quite some doing. Yeah, we know, Riza, we attended uh, the same primary and high school. Oh. <laughs> uh, my sister's friends with, with, his, with, with, uh, with his sister, actually. It's actually a small town. A lot of sportsmen would know each other, but we do mm. not really, I don't know him on a personal level, but I think what he's achieved is quite exceptional. And I think one thing about us, Coming from smaller towns, or what I can say about sportsmen from Kimberley is we always have to face adversity. Mm. And we learn to overcome adversity at a very young age. And that makes us just more hungry when, when we have a little bit of a setback. It might seem big for, for the outsiders, but for us, it's just a, a, a stepping stone in, in the right direction. And we, we believe that adversity just makes us better. And it gives you a chance to fight back and, and show that you can come back from whatever adversity you are facing. So I think it's... it's that's just the general feel and us growing up in the small towns. I don't know what it's like in the bigger cities, but where I grew up, we all, we played all sport codes. We played street cricket. You played some street soccer, the primary school and the high school we went to all was, were, were actually, there's a really good sporting culture or you used to be, unfortunately it's dying out. We have some administrators in Kimberley that's still trying to fight the battle, but unfortunately sport is dying out in Kimberley because we have a lot of our kids being offered scholarships which I believe is a good thing for them because there's not much in Kimberley for them. But we also have a problem where we have kids leaving and we're also a little bit drying out what we have. But unfortunately, there's no facilities and to better yourself, you need to be exposed to that. And that once again speaks to the adversity I'm, I'm speaking about because you have a child leaving his house at the age of 13, leaving his parents behind and, and going to uh, staying on, on school campus and still living the hostel life. And some of the kids that they live with or, or the, that they play with love with their parents. So, so that's well, just the, the small differences. 
Marek, let's 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 uh, put all the cards on the table. Let's talk about your own primary school. What what kind of facilities were there when it comes to hockey? Oh, hockey, grass, <laughs> grass. There was no asphalt turf in Kimberley until 2011 or 2012. I think my grade 11 or grade 12, yeah. But we had great administrators in place. Um, one guy that played a very big role in, in, in laying the platform for me in all sport codes I competed in. And you mentioned Riza Hendricks. I would believe this guy also played a role in that. Um, that would be Mr. Eric Goldman, which used to be our school principal. He actually just laid a very good foundation and was very, very, very strict on the basics. Um, Shanae as well, also coming from the same primary school. And uh, we have a lot of other sportsmen that are also competing um, in different sports codes that has come from him. So sports facilities, we had a good cricket field. A grass, good outfield, the same field we used for hockey and for soccer as well. And I mean, Marek, there, I mean, and, and Shanae, uh, you're welcome to interjecture. But take us through your story. How, I mean, how do you go from coming from a school? I mean, I, I went to a school called Boxburg High. We played on grass as well. Um, I am a couple of years older than you. Um, a couple is a very generous way of saying about 10 years. But um, yeah, I mean, the chances of a kid from my high school turning into an international hockey player was very, very low because just the, all the schools around us had better facilities and because they had better facilities, they attracted the better coaches. I mean, here you've got a brother and sister from Kimberley who have both represented their, com- their, their country on the highest stage. I mean, how did that journey happen? How were you identified? I mean... You obviously both have clear, pure talent, but uh, talent alone isn't enough. You need someone to identify you and you need opportunities to arise. So, I mean, how did it play out that you two both ended up earning national colours? Um, personally, from my side, Darren, I think that first in my foundation, coming from a supportive family, my parents and coming like with Maurik as well, being the youngster in the house, I think with the foundation just being laid strong, that being working hard and what you want to achieve will be able to. I was one of those fortunate kids that actually got offered quite a few scholarships, um, especially in Johannesburg and in Bloemfontein, which was giving me actually the opportunity to be able to play a section. Unfortunately, due to finances, parents could not afford it. And I believe that if I'm really that talented and I can make it work, I'll make an SA team coming from Kimberley. So basically, all I had to do was put more time into training. And the only way I could do that, like Maurik said, we got an Astro Turf in 2012, was basically just joining a club and getting an extra time because I think each school only got an hour, 10 minutes a week. So the extra time would literally be coming from uh, a club training and training there. And obviously, you have your individuals that back you a lot. And I think personally, I had like two coaches that I think really just invested their time in me and making sure that I'm the best to to the ability of going to an IPT. I think what really saddened me at that IPT was that going into that IPT, I knew that I didn't stand a chance to make an SA team because no one looks at the Northern Cape, no one looks at the B section. Funny enough, that year in 2016, we had two players coming from the SA team, SAA and SAB, which I was one. And I found it really hard to believe because I didn't think that anyone actually identified any players from the SAB, like from the B section. 
So I think I was very fortunate enough to have that platform of the support system, my parents pushing me, a brother pushing me in a sense of if I really want this, I can make it work. And I think making the national team, I am only grateful to my varsity uh, being able to identify me with a scholarship and coming to varsity. And it wasn't easy at all. I think got to varsity my first year was the most toughest year ever for me. Um, I remember so clearly I got here and one of the, the girls asked me, so where are you from? And I was like, no, I'm from the Northern Cape. Oh, are you from Northern B? And I just said the IPT was, and I couldn't like take part in the conversation. You're not from these big schools. You're not from a Menlo Park. You're not from Afis. You choose not from Oranya or any big school that everyone expects you to be from. So they they grew past you. So I think that was my motivation to make a national team was literally putting in the extra hours, getting up every morning, making sure that if I want to be seen, it would, it would come from me. So yeah, I spend a lot of time sitting in there, especially we don't know what a press is. We don't know what outlets are. And he actually showed me the game of hockey. He explained the, the strategy behind it. And obviously having Mialik as well, a lot of input. And that's why I think that is also my inspiration a lot of times because I don't think anyone can, like you said, like have so much setbacks in life, but yet come back stronger and have like an armful of opportunities and make it worth it. So yeah, that was from me. And I'm really like just privileged and honored to be able to represent my country at such a high level. Ashana, I mean, it's an incredible story and it's incredible to see. I mean, I've known you both for quite a while and it's incredible to see that the the excitement that you have for one another. Um, you know, it's it's a clear uh, a supporters club, a Maurik supporters club led by Shana and a Shana supporters club led by Maurik. But of course, uh, the you may both be from Kimberley, but there's often large distances between you. Uh, we know that... Uh, Marek has spent the last couple of months in Germany playing club hockey at uh, Mutchen Gladbach along with the Kassim brothers. Uh, well, yourself, you've been in the Free State playing playing hockey there. I mean, how how often do you two stay updated with each other? Do you connect, and you know, uh, how often do you actually get to see one another? I think we don't get to see each other often. The opportunity we get to see each other, we make we make use of it, uh, but we're quite connected. I think that. My brother's basically my best friend and like always the go-to whenever I have an issue, whatever. I think the time in Germany, I missed him the most. <laughs> the first two weeks he was gone, I was ready for him to come back. So I think that we've got an unbreakable bond and I'm just really grateful to actually have a sibling in him that I do. So yeah, so with the distance between the two of us as a badosh, but fortunately for me, he's about uh, two hours now from me, just recently moved to Mafiking. And I'm in pot, so hopefully we get to see more of each other now. Yeah, we certainly do hope that uh, you'll be able to get to see each other. Uh, two hours, uh, that's nothing. That's uh, about the distance between Ty and I. Uh, he lives all the way out in Benoni and I'm in Joburg. Uh, okay, uh, just uh, chatting in terms of your achievements, uh, Melrick, I mean, again, I spoke about your CV and how long it is, and the same applies to Chanel, of course, but what stands out as... Your three biggest highlights. As we chat, uh, I can see you on screen and, and you've got your holding photo and you're holding a trophy. I'm sure that must uh, play a role somewhere. 
uh, yeah, Derek does, but I, I wouldn't put it in one of my top three moments. Um, I would think that um, number one, number one has to be my experience in Germany. Um, what I have experienced there, it's probably been been the best experience of my life. Uh, number two would be joining Belieu, um Hockey, Hockey Academy, which has been really, really special. There's not one special moment with Belieu that I can pinpoint. I just believe that once I went to Belieu and I was surrounded by the type of people I was surrounded by, I could be better because they demanded better of me and I needed to demand more from myself to stay in the first team of such quality youngsters and, and experienced players. And then thirdly, oof, that's a tough one. I think mm-hmm. my indoor debut uh, against Switzerland in Cape Town, that was very special as well. Let's deep dive into Germany because we've had plenty of, of people on the show who have uh, spent a lot of time, particularly in Europe, Netherlands, Germany, uh, Belgium, and, and like you, they they sing the praises of the experience that they they're afford, uh, afforded by competing overseas, and and there's no question that that you've absolutely loved it. Uh, a trip, a return trip there is is that in the offing? Uh, I think only time will tell, Derek. The, the club's really happy with with our contribution as a whole. Uh, the all four South Africans that were there. So definitely, if my employer would allow for me to to be afforded the opportunity to go, I would. Um, what many people do not know is that I needed to take three months unpaid leave mm. to go to Germany. Um, and that's just, that's, it's, when you are following your dreams and you pursue, you're ruthless in the pursuit of your passion and what you want. I think it's a small sacrifice to pay, especially if you have a good, good support system. But um, only time will tell and the door remains open to return. And uh, the club has really been good to me. Always open to me and always having good conversations with me. Is it mind-blowing to see how big hockey is over in these countries, uh, over in Europe particularly, and how well it's supported and and how much money floats around uh, coming from South Africa? Yeah, I'd like to think so. I think it's... it's they're just more invested in, in hockey than what we are and I don't think that the powers that be realize how big hockey actually can be. The passion for hockey drives from the youngest child of the club to the oldest. And I mean, I, I cannot even put it in words. The one experience I had, we were uh, coaching and one of the younger boys were watching the, the junior kids play, the youth kids, actually the school kids, what we'll call our under-16s. And he got so upset because they are just perfectionists by nature, Germans. But it's a little bit unfortunate that the sport for now in the short term is not as big as it is there. But it's really exciting to see what hockey can be. And I just hope that we can replicate to even better what they have in Europe. Yeah, Marek, obviously uh, you also were over there with uh, the Kasim brothers who uh, have captured the world by storm. Uh, you know, how, how well have they uh, adapted to the German league and, and are they as well appreciated there as they are here in South Africa? Yeah, I think as a whole, all four of our South Africans were really appreciated. The club treated us as humans first and they saw to our needs first before expecting so much from us. And I'm saying expecting so much from us, not once did anyone put pressure on us to do well. And just because what they provided to us, we could do well. You know, all our basic needs were seen to. 
And they just made sure that we are, as humans are happy, which makes sense because if you are happy and you're in a good space, you can obviously produce the goods. And it was awesome living with, with Dayan and Muzi and Devon. Getting to know them on a more personal level uh, was really cool. And it gives, when you spend so much time with someone, you truly understand the person they are and you understand why they are as good as they are and how they see the game. So they are well appreciated in Germany. And, and I mean, the fact that uh, they are your international teammates, both on indoor and outdoor, I mean, I mean obviously Tevin hasn't played on the indoor court, but uh, Muzi and Diane has. Had, did, did you guys use that opportunity to train a bit of indoor hockey as well while you were over there? Yeah, we did. Every opportunity we got. <laughs> when you live with Diane and Mustafa, it's hard to not think about hockey. Diane is literally a hockey encyclopedia. He watches hockey all day, every day. And he watches games over. He's got games saved on his phone. And um, moves as well. He really works hard. So it's always, we're always working hard. Devon also watches so much hockey. I don't even know half of the international players they know. They probably know all of them by name, second name, the date of birth as well. But every opportunity we got, we, we really played 2v2s indoor and outdoor. And it, it gets really physical because none of us like to lose. <laughs> Well, does that remind you of uh, the corridor games with Shanae growing up? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the corridor was probably like three feet wide and like 10 feet long. So it was really physical. And Shanae, I wanted to ask, obviously, we, we gave you the upper hand with in terms of international goals. But in terms of PHL trophies, Malrick has the upper hand. Um, you never quite got to taste the final with the rafters. Well, he did win it with the Dragons. Um, you know, is that photo of his profile just to rub it into you, or uh, <laughs> uh, or does Malik? I mean, he's such a gent; he would never hold it over you, would he? <laughs> no, not at all. I'll give it to him. Uh, they they deserve to win that one. Die. I think that yeah, unfortunate for us that we didn't get a PHL trophy. But I think one of my moments for trophy standing out was actually winning a varsity cup. So being the first, like for the first time that my varsity got to win it. So for sure, like I will give it to him, PHL is something huge, but yeah, it's not something that I would, I'd rather change for a varsity cup win, definitely. And, and Shana, I mean, I want to bring uh, just a little bit in here. You now have played for your country in Tokyo. You've played for your country in Ghana. And next on the, the schedule for South Africa is Spain. And Birmingham, I mean, is there any hope that you'll finally play a game, a test match in South Africa, so your parents can come and watch? <laughs> yeah, no, uh, we'll need to wait and see with time. I mean, anything can happen. The guys are fortunate enough to have pro league happening here in Potterstrom, so yeah, we never know with time. We could be fortunate enough for something like that to just happen with God's grace, hopefully. <laughs> Look, and obviously uh, you want to get into those squads, World Cup, Commonwealth Games and uh, Nations Cup, all for the women before the end of the year. And of course, Marek trying to knock into that door and get back into the squad again, maybe the indoor, maybe the outdoor. Um, and obviously, once you're in these squads, it's a great opportunity to travel. So, Shana, uh, uh, what I'd ask you is Ghana versus Tokyo, which one really captured your heart a little bit more? 
So funny enough, I got this quite a lot this return on the return. I would definitely say Ghana, uh, Taran. So people would ask me why you went to Ghana and compared to Tokyo, you went to Japan, whatever. But I think I was just more comfortable as an individual and I just enjoyed it more. The environment for me, I felt just more comfortable um, because obviously going to the Olympics, I had so much pressure on myself. Like I didn't want to make a mistake. I'm making my debut. It's on this huge platform. Everyone is busy watching you. So I would definitely say the Ghana was for me the better uh, tournament and I just enjoyed it more because I was playing with more freedom and I just enjoyed myself. Yeah, on that note, Shone, what was the the setup like over in Ghana with the tournament? I suppose your answer alluded to that anyway. But uh, infrastructure, uh, everything runs smoothly like clockwork? Um, no, 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 definitely not. Um, it wasn't as Tokyo, everything smoothly infrastructure. But I think we were well prepared for it. I think going into Africa, um, the seniors, our management actually warned us and said, guys, we're going into Africa weekend. We should be expecting the unexpected. I mean, there was quite a few curveballs thrown at us. Uh, but we were ready for it. I mean, especially the astro turf, getting onto the turf and all of a sudden you're ready to stop and the ball just bounces a few meters off because there's some bump in the middle of the turf. Um, I think as well, just having a little bit of hiccups with like the tournament directors. Obviously, South Africa is a bit in a highlight because we're coming back to the home ground and we're coming to defend our championship. So, yeah, I would say definitely there was a lot of challenges, but we overcame them and we did the job and we came back with a trophy. Ah, congratulations. Uh, Malrick, we're going to throw the same question to you. Well, I'm certainly going to. Uh, regarding travel, uh, your favourite country outside of South Africa that you've been to? It's a question we always throw out. We've uh, had your sister's answer. What about yours? Definitely Germany. <laughs> it's an amazing place, eh? Yeah, amazing place. And I think the people that we were associated with were even made it more more amazing than what it is. I, I, I often chat about our travel experiences on here, and I probably have Berlin in my top three cities uh, of all, and, and, and the history that comes with that city. It is absolutely mind-blowing. Yeah, unfortunately, I can't speak on behalf of Berlin. But <laughs> I don't know if it's for the beers or if it's for the sightseeing. You should just let us know. <laughs> uh, yeah, a bit of both, actually. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the former that leads to, to the latter. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it really, really is amazing. Uh, Ty, any more from your side? Yeah, did I ever tell you about the time I was in Frankfurt? And uh, I was there for a, a work thing, and it's my previous employer, so it's okay, I can talk about it now. <laughs> and uh, we went for a drink on Wednesday night. We went to go watch. There was a Champions League game. I, I can't even remember. Bayern Munich versus Juventus or something in Frankfurt. And we ended up at Hooters um, in Frankfurt, which uh, was an amazing place. It was myself, uh, a Danish guy, and an Indian guy. So three different continents together. And uh, the, the Hooters uh, manager really enjoyed our company. And so when Hooters closed, he sat down and kept the table open and him and two of the waitresses and the three of us. And at four o'clock in the morning, uh, we decided to leave. But we were about five k's from the hotel. And now we are slightly, um, not sober, just slightly. Had one or two waters more than we should have. And uh, yeah, we get out and we're looking for a bus because we just want to get the bus right to the hotel. But... 
because there's no buses running at that time in the morning. And so we decide to start walking. We start walking and find another pub, end up there. It's, to this day, it's the only time I've ever gone to a course still drunk. And when <laughs> I got to the hotel, literally got to the hotel uh, in Frankfurt, walked up to my room, saw people going down for breakfast, had a shower, went and had a coffee, another coffee and another coffee at breakfast, and went to course. And uh, at lunchtime, when they sent us uh, out for lunch, I went back to my room and fell asleep and woke up about three hours later. <laughs> and, I love Germany. And now and now we know why it's your, your former employer. <laughs> yeah, it was before the Guptas arrived, so they liked speaking. <laughs> I'm prosit, I'm prosit. <laughs> Alric knows the song very well he just doesn't want to admit it yet that, yeah, he, he, can't, he can't ruin the goody two shoes image yeah, yeah don't worry Marek yeah, we, no, we, we won't give away your secrets but, but Shanae's and Potch so you know Shanae's and Potch they, they know even better songs than you could ever know does need buy him to do in Poch so Bourbon Street is buy a beer Bourbon Street still open Shane. yes yes that's still running 100% that is amazing so I will be coming to Poch for a pro league game or two and I will accidentally bump into you for a coffee at Bourbon Street <laughs> no problem I'll be waiting uh, please bring your frequent flyer pass so we can get good discount. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, all right. Shonae, Marek, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think, uh, you know, you guys have lived a life at your young ages already that many young kids in, in your hometown of Kimberley will look up to and aspire. You're motivating a future generation while living your dreams. And it has been an absolute pleasure to share your story. To the listeners out there, you know, this is the kind of story we want to share. This is people with the odds stacked against them saying that nah, it just makes it even more fulfilling when we achieve our goals. Uh, your parents can be proud of you. Your country is proud of you. We look forward to seeing you continue to grow, continue to make your mark on the hockey family. And uh, who knows, to one day uh, stand alongside each other at a tournament, lifting up medals for your country. Thank you very much, both of you, for joining us tonight. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Dan Albert. We really appreciate the opportunity. To do the crowd liked it. <laughs> Thank you so much for the opportunity. A privilege was to be on the show. Oh, privilege is all ours, believe you me. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, Shone. Thank you very much, uh, Malrick. It's, uh, it's been great, Ty. As always, great to have you along, because uh, if it wasn't for you, uh, yeah, we simply wouldn't have a show. Uh, and thank you to the listeners for joining us for episode 110 of Hockey the Podcast. We'll see you soon for 111. Cheers. <laughs>